Welcome to a dialogue on accountability in the digital age. A dialogue with representatives of a global, multi-stakeholder community. And I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Dave Jensen from the UNEP. Dave, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Fritz. It's a real pleasure to be here. Now, David, you've been with the UN since the, around 2000, I believe, so well over 20 years, and you are the coordinator of the UNEP, so that's the UN Environmental Programme for Digital Transition Programme on co-champion of the Coalition for Digital Environmental Sustainability, CODES. Um, that's going to be the main topic, uh, what your work at uh, the UNEP. Uh, you are from uh, Vancouver Island, because uh, you went to the University of Victoria. Now, before we start on your, your UN work, I have to ask you this. I've been to Vancouver Island. I've been to Victoria. It's an awesome, beautiful place in the middle of nature. Has that somehow been influencing you on what you're doing right now? Of course, without question. The, the beauty of Vancouver Island is, 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 is hard to... Uh... It's hard to really describe. It's an amazing place, and it's uh, it, it absolutely you know drove my interest in environmental protection, conservation, and all of my international work. So, absolutely, that's kind of part of my origin story. I also grew up on a farm, and I was you know in involved in 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 nature from right from the outset. So, absolutely, it's uh, part and parcel of who I am and and why I'm working for the UN Environment Program. Okay. Uh, now, a brief introduction: How you moved from, you could say, studying biology in uh, uh, Vancouver to uh, running a, a program on a digital transformation? How 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 did that happen? Now, basically, I was working for the UN Environment Program, looking at the environmental damages caused by conflicts and caused by disasters. Mm -hmm. um, go in with various teams and collect samples and, and sort of do the analysis of the risks. What were the risks to human health following a conflict or a disaster from environmental damage? And the more we the more we did the work, the more I got interested in how do we start to use digital technologies to do that work more efficiently and in, and in a more automated way. And it was actually in, a, in Colombia. We were looking, we were flying over Colombia, looking at illegal gold mining, and um, we were in a military helicopter flying over the FARC and the ELN territories. And I was thinking to myself, there's got to be a better way to doing this. Than being, you know, over the, <laughs> over the militia territories in a military helicopter in plain sight, and I got interested then in satellite imagery and AI, and it kind of started to snowball, and one thing led to another, and we eventually proposed that digital transformation become one of UNEP's main priority areas, and there were two reasons for that. There was the question of application: how do we use these technologies to be more efficient in what we do? But then there was the bigger question of governance. It was very clear that this governance question was becoming very important, as was the sustainability question. Are these technologies sustainable? Do they have an environmental footprint that we have to look at? So that was the, that was the story. And there was a natural transition, basically, um, from sort of looking at the environmental dimensions of peace and conflict to looking at the environmental dimensions of digital transformation. Okay. Uh, interesting, you mentioned governance because that's one of the key, I'll say, uh, I'll say trigger words when you talk about accountability. Uh, what well, we talk like to talk about accountability is the, the governance of technology. But why was that an issue for the system you you were looking at your work? I could see that the there was a rising amount of power in a very limited number of digital companies, mm -hmm. and using that power 
I would say in, in, in monopolistic ways in their relationship with the United Nations, in particular on the question of data, uh, data governance, data ownership, and, and IP rights. And I, I, was, um, I was not pleased with the way that relationship was moving. And it was just very clear to me that if we were going to start to use these tools and technologies for good, that that relationship had to be solved and that governance question had to be addressed. And so that was really it. And there's a whole series of aspects of that governance question we can, we can unpack. But ultimately, it was really the, you know, I could see this growing imbalance of power between the tech world, the UN, and the member states. And that, you know, that set alarm bells ringing. Okay. Uh, fully understand uh, your, your thought process here. Uh, now, where do you feel we are today? Because you're not the only one who's recognizing that uh, threat or that situation, as it were. Uh, more, let's put it more neutral. Um, if that's, you could say, the observation, um, what can you do to resolve that? What can you do to um, yeah, bring it where it should be bringing? So who's going to be involved and how to get to have that discussion? Yeah, I think there has been some good progress, at least in brokering dialogues around this. And I think the Secretary General has done a great job in raising this up the political agenda. So, you know, he established this high-level panel yeah. on digital cooperation, the digital cooperation roadmap. Uh, and I think those really started to bring sort of international attention to this question. Um, the one thing that I would say, you know, I think the first step in, in that accountability pathway is transparency, right? Who's doing what? Uh, where are the, you know, where are the major risks? Where are the major opportunities? And how can we be just more transparent about that distribution of power. Um, so I think transparency is the first thing we need to start with. And that sort of begins uh, with disclosure, right? Disclosing, um, you know, in, in my world, it's about transparency of environmental impact and environmental opportunity. So first and foremost, disclosing uh, the, the, the supply chain impacts of various companies, uh, disclosing their, their climate footprint, disclosing their, their use of natural resources in a very open and transparent way. I think that's number one, and that disclosure leads to transparency, and hopefully then we can move from transparency to accountability. Okay. Um, again, yeah, thank you for sharing that discussion. Uh, now, what platform uh, in your mind should we then use to have that discussion, and how can we enforce the discussion? Because um, having the discussion is great, acknowledging it, but then... Um, would that be a UN entity who could drive that? Because this is, you talk about something which we need to fix on a global level. Sure. I don't think there's any single platform. I think it's, uh, in, in a sense, there's multiple different stakeholders that can do this kind of convening. I think the UN is certainly one of the platforms where this convening can happen. And, I, and you can see this happening, for, for example, in the, in, the, in the roadmap for digital cooperation. We took that as a major platform to broker this conversation around digital sustainability. Right, so we are now developing this this coalition for for digital environmental sustainability, and having all series of discussions around the sustainability aspects of digital tech, both the positive and the negative. So we're certainly using uh, our convening power to bring stakeholders together uh, and to you know to have these conversations. Um, and there's other platforms doing the same thing. Now the question is, how do you translate or transform those discussions into real actions? Yeah. And this is where, you know, in, in the CODES initiative, we've identified nine areas where we need uh, multi-stakeholder uh, collective action. And we're now trying to identify, you know, who can lead 
uh, and who can support these nine impact areas. But I think ultimately it's a question of uh, adding value to the stakeholders who are struggling with these issues, right? Like we have to understand, you know, what are the private sector actors? What are the public sector actors? What are the problems they're facing and how do we broker dialogue between the two? And what, you know, what we often see is uh, private sector actors are not always talking between them yeah. in terms of their strategy. Public sector actors are not always talking amongst themselves and then, and then neither are talking with each other. So we actually play a very important uh, brokering role there. Now, you talk about what can happen uh, going forward, where are the big levers? Now, the Secretary General is brokering uh, this summit for the future and this global digital compact. And I think that is really where we need to be focusing our attention, um, making sure that the summit for the future has governance and sustainability squarely on the agenda and that those two issues uh, are taken forward in this global digital compact. And that digital compact is, is a very important idea. It's meant to be a negotiated document between member states, but also with private sector endorsement. So I think, you know, if we're going to solve these issues on a global level and start to look at some of these big governance questions, sustainability questions, that's the right place. That's the right place to have these conversations and to come up with this framework. Love that. Um, now, uh, you made for me a link in my mind. I started to think about the SDGs. Uh, now, they're going to be uh, up and running until 2030. Uh, and we also see that we have, uh, uh, you could say, a situation where we're in the decade of execution. And, uh, and I see digital being a key element of the solution to reach those SDGs. A couple of elements, uh, uh, questions for you, maybe open doors, but uh, do you expect uh, the digital to, to have a prominent role in the successes of the SDGs? Absolutely. I think they will not be uh, achieved at the speed and scale needed without digital. I think that's very clear. I think um, one of the interesting things about the, the SDGs when it comes to environmental uh, targets is that we only have data to monitor just over half of those targets. So there are still some big data gaps that we have to solve and plug in terms of simply monitoring where we stand on the different SDGs. Yeah. Uh, but those are that's more of a technical question. We can, you know, if we invest the resources, we can actually collect that data to do the monitoring. Uh, and then it comes to the action, right? And I and I fully agree that there's just no way we're going to achieve that kind of uh, systemic level change without digital technologies, which is exactly why that governance question is just so important. And, and that goes hand in hand with the equity question and the benefits question, right? Who's going to benefit? How are those benefits distributed? How do we govern it? How is it? How, how can we ensure that all stakeholders uh, have a voice in that process? And that's, that's, the, that's the biggest challenge. And when I look at our processes, you know, in the codes framework, we engaged about a thousand uh, individuals and experts in the in the action plan for a sustainable planet in the digital age, and that is, you know, that's that's a big number, but it's really just a drop in the bucket on the number of people that should be engaged, right? We should be engaging millions of people in these processes. So I think we still lack the digital tools to do that kind of global scale uh, engagement, you know, like that bottom up engagement at the millions level is what we should be trying to achieve but we're still stuck in a very smaller group of stakeholders who have the capacity to engage and the expertise to engage. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, also my observation as well, that I uh, say there, there is a group of people talking on, a, on an international uh, global level, uh, but to some extent, that's a very big, huge, I'd say glass silo 
because it doesn't somehow trickle down to uh, on a local or national level. Um, I, I've noticed surprisingly, I mean, I, 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 I wear this pin since my first time I, I came to the ITU for the AI for Good Summit. And in the beginning, when I started to wear that pin, uh, people did not recognize this as the, you could say, the SEG symbol. I had completely different questions what this uh, would uh, represent. Uh, so how can we um, get people, as say, uh, you could say, uh, on grassroots level uh, to take that on board? Uh, is this something uh, you feel the, the UN or UNEP uh, can do directly or should we uh, be dependent on, on local actors to, to you could say, uh, get grassroots involved? I think we can do it directly. Yeah. I think it's exactly yeah. where technologies can enable that kind of broad scale engagement. I think that the, the, the main challenge right now, actually to be very frank, is processing that scale of input, right? Yeah. Like we're, when we're doing a big action plan and we're trying to identify the, the different priorities around the countries, if you're talking about input from millions of stakeholders, it becomes very difficult to process. Now, AI can certainly be a tool to help us process but I just think we haven't yet worked out those two elements. How do we engage that scale of people? And then how do we process the input and make sense yeah. of it? Yeah. Um, but I do think on both sides, uh, you know, tech can be a solution. We're just a little bit slow in understanding, you know, how best to harness that technology. But I, I absolutely believe that we can be a conduit for that kind of engagement. And as I said, we've tried it and it has been wildly, it has been successful. It's been, it's been very gratifying to sort of reach out to you know hundreds of countries and get that input, um, but the the time it takes to process it is is a lot, right? It's it's a slow process, and so we we need to accelerate exactly that. Uh, yeah, because that uh, you're touching on something. Why uh, member states reached out to UNESCO around 2016? Uh, so well, the the it's such a slow process. Um, to create systems uh, for governance uh, to, to have that accountability. And again, the, the digital technology moving so fast that we really need to rethink um, the instrument we're going, to go, we're going to put in place uh, to govern technology. I was just thinking if, just asking, if, if, are you, uh, is UNEP considering the same thing? So uh, are you using modern solution uh, which can keep up with that change of speed? Well, we'd like to be able to use yeah. technology to yeah. keep up with that pace of speed. I think the problem is that governance is, a, is an analog process, right? In, yeah, in international governance requires relationship building, trust building between 100 and, uh, what is it, 97 countries or 96 countries. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and that's that just takes time, right? So uh, it's a, governing at that scale is slow and it does it, it's a human-to-human -human process that uh, in many cases can't be um, short-tracked or sped up through digital technologies. Uh, so we're a bit, you know, we're a bit hamstrung by the very nature of the political process we're in. Now, having said that, we'd like to look at all the opportunities to accelerate it that, that are possible within that context. We've built a platform, for example, called Infamia, which is an attempt to sort of uh, bring together all of the information around the implementation of different env uh, uh, multilateral environmental agreements. So we're trying to aggregate, you know, all the best practice, all the laws, all the policies in one place to enable governments to share good practice and to access good practice. So we are using digital tools in some, you know, in some capacities when it comes to sharing information. But I think that that question of 
how do you agree between member states to govern in a, in a collective way at a global scale? It still remains elusive when it comes to using tech to do that. I mean, we can use tech to broker those conversations, but there's a process that the human to human trust building process takes time. And, um, you know, we're, we're a subject to that. So I think as much as we aspire to use the tools and tech, uh, we, we are still slowed down, I think, by that, that very process. Okay. Uh, given that observation, are you optimistic? We will fix it. Um, that's a very good question. I'm always optimistic. I'm about 60% optimistic and 40% pessimistic, right? Um, I do think, you know, a lot of this is also about building relationships, not just between governments, but also with the very technology companies that are driving the change. I think there needs to be much more dialogue between the public and private in how we go in the space. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic because I actually feel that the companies themselves are going to want governance frameworks. You can see many co companies asking for governance frameworks on climate, for example. I think the same is going to happen in the digital space. There's going to be, at some point, there's just going to be too many standards, too many different ways of looking at, you know, looking at, at, at things, and, and companies will want to see rationalization and some kind of harmonization. In fact, we're already seeing that, and there's a company that I was chatting to uh, last week around, you know, regulation when it comes to digital sustainability across their supply chains. And they're saying that, you know, 60 countries are now adopting regulations on digital sustainability that affect their supply chains. And the, the whole question of compliance is really becoming difficult. Okay. And um, the cynic me would then uh, ask, to what extent is this greenwashing? Uh, I mean, we see, we see an interest in ESGs. And if companies start to promote, look, look how compliant I am com com uh, according to these standards, uh, that's going to be make me more attractive. Do you feel? Uh, do you recognize that? Is that too cynical, or is it that people truly believe hey, this is going to make a difference? Well, I think that's a bit cynical in the sense that you know it's good that we see digital sustainability regulations going going around the world now, and I think it's great that that uh, countries are now adopting different regulations. The problem is is they're very different in every in every jurisdiction. And as a company, as a global company, if you're trying to build a product and sell it in these different jurisdictions and they're having conflicting regulatory regime, regimes, that's just the basic problem, right? They might want to have sustainable supply chains, but the in many cases, you know, at, at the at the at the end of the supply chain, they don't simply have the information about their suppliers. Um, so I'm not I'm suggesting that regulatory incoherence or regulatory conflict is probably not a good thing. And that it does it does warrant some attention. Harmonization at a global level, I think, is important. So I, do, I wouldn't call that greenwashing. I would say that they're trying to comply, and different member states are making it difficult to do so in an easy way. Um, and I think harmonization and 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 uh, you know some some form of coordinated regulation is is needed. Okay, fair 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 point. Now, uh, uh, David, I want to end with. Uh, a TED talk I saw from you presenting uh, some years back, which I was fascinating to watch because I wasn't fully aware of that case. I don't know if you remember your own TED talk. You talked about <laughs> nature and peace. It was a great TED talk in Geneva where you uh, showed what um, the disruption of nature um, meant for peacekeeping or you could say avoiding peacekeeping initiatives now i was wondering if you could take us along a little bit what that's about and ask you can you make a connection or a translation how you can apply this into what digital is able to do 
I think the argument is is very clear. In in many post-conflict places, there's a lack of trust between people, right? During a conflict, trust in institutions and trust in each other is often shattered, right? And you have to rebuild uh, these these places from uh, from the ground up between communities as well as between communities and the government, depending on the conflict. But there's a there's a very there's a very big trust deficit. And we, we see that environment can be one of those pathways for rebuilding trust because there's a mutual interdependence on natural resources between communities and also between uh, communities and their governments. Governments want to you know, manage those resources in, in, in the best way possible. And so there, there needs to be some kind of dialogue between those levels and how you do that. So we see environmental, uh, environmental resources, natural resources as a pathway to rebuild trust and obviously to rebuild livelihoods, right? In most of these post-conflict countries, natural resources are the basis for livelihood recovery and, and livelihood renewal. And so how do we use those, those natural resources in the best way possible in the most sustainable way possible? And for issues like um, non-renewable natural resources, such you know, minerals and mines and, and oil and gas and whatnot, how can those revenues be then used uh, to, you know, to sustain and to uh, help, um, let's say, further develop renewable resources. So I think there's a whole, you know, there's a whole series of potential benefits of integrating environmental and natural resources within this whole sphere of peace building. And we see a lot of very positive uh, success in so doing. I mean, if you go into the communities and ask, what are your priorities? Usually at the one, two or third you know, level, natural resources of some kind, governing natural resources is, is there. So now you want me to make the bridge to tech. I mean, the can really help us um, understand where the damage is uh, much more easily. So satellite imagery and AI can really help us detect, uh, you know, where is where is damage to the to the environment. What are the risks to the community from the release of chemicals? Um, but also they can bring transparency in terms of sort of between communities or between countries. Like who's using which natural resources? Are they are they sticking to their agreements? Um, and are the benefits being shared in the way that was agreed? So I think. I look at, at technology as a major tool for transparency, and that transparency is a way of uh, demonstrating compliance with the agreements and continuing that sort of trust building process. Great. So, um, and do you also see digital directly playing a role in providing that trust? Well, I see I see digital playing a role in terms of information sharing uh, between communities. So it's a conduit for information. Yeah. It's a conduit for assessing. I think more and more, you know, you start to hear about uh, digital contracts and uh, and blockchain-based contracts that could kind of be that intermediary. Um, I haven't seen that in post-conflict yet, but I know, you know, I know it's coming. Um, but yeah, I see more and more uh, communities being interested in adopting digital tools. I mean, the proliferation of mobile phones has just been incredible as i'm sure everybody who's been to these places over the last 20 years have seen and so the question is really how do we use those those phones and that kind of appropriate technology to underpin that trust building and that confidence building process when it comes to natural resources okay hey one last question dave it was fascinating talking to you and your work with unep um in your work how could a an organization like the institute for accountability uh, support your work I would say, so in, inside UNEP, we have sort of two big pillars. We've got UNEP's core work, uh, and we work on three major areas. We work on 
environmental data and analytics. We work on private sector partnerships and we work on national capacity building. So that's kind of our core area, but we're also the co-champion of this coalition for digital environmental sustainability. And that's where I would say you should plug in, join the codes network, join the community of practice and begin to engage in these different dialogue tracks around digital sustainability, in particular, uh, the track on governance or the track on data and assessments. I think that's probably where you plug in best and then see, you know, see within that community how you can engage, how you can support, what the value you can take and what the value you can add uh, could be. Okay, great advice. And this is also a call out to all the listeners out there, uh, members of uh, the Institute. Just uh, we'll make certain that the link is going to be available when in this video. So have a look at that. Uh, reach out. And David, again, thank you so much for sharing what your insights, what you're doing and how digital can help and the role of accountability. Thanks very much, Fritz. It's a pleasure speaking to you, and I hope to uh, see you in Geneva in, uh, in a couple months. Will do. Cheers.